1: Maybe one of the biggest weekends in college football, lots of rivalries here. We've got Florida, Florida State on Friday, Uh, USF maybe in the last war on I-4 with UCF that has everything at stake, Uh, of course, Michigan, Ohio State, all of that. We're going to talk to Matt Baker, who covers college football for the Tampa Bay Times in just a moment, and also a little Deion Sanders speculation when it comes to the Bulls, so stay tuned for that want to wish you guys all a very happy thanksgiving we are thankful for each and every one of you listening to this podcast that's why we keep doing it because you keep listening so uh thanks for that and hope you guys enjoy your day with your family uh maybe a little football who knows but uh uh, certainly a day to uh, reflect and we do that here now on sports day tampa bay so thank you very much uh for the success of this podcast this is all because of you And uh, we enjoy doing it and uh, hope to continue doing it for for the foreseeable future. So enjoy your day. I wanted to uh, start with some news that broke, uh, I guess, late on Tuesday, uh, over here in the States anyway. The Glazer family, which owns the Buccaneers, as we all know, confirmed on Tuesday that they would consider selling the Manchester United Football Club after 17 years of ownership. Now... Uh, They had a statement um, on their, uh, on their website. Uh, We know that the Glazers have been embattled really owners ever since they bought the premier league team. They face all kinds of opposition. Uh, You know, and and this was back when Malcolm Glazer acquired um, sort of the majority uh, shareholders uh, stake in, in 2005, but they said they are exploring outside funding that could pave the way for a potential buyout. Now, uh, in their statement they mentioned that uh you know that one of the one of the transactions could involve selling the team but they were quick to also say that there is no guarantee that that will happen they're just going to evaluate all the options and um they don't know that anything will happen quite frankly but i think it's very interesting we know you know you know steve we've seen the protests, the glazers out and and uh they broke uh, split ties with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo the other day. he had some things to say with uh, an interview with Pierce Morgan that went on for about 90 minutes um, on the same day that they announced that this was occurring. so I don't know this this feels like it's a big step, right It doesn't guarantee that they sell it boy it sure feels like they're looking to see uh, what their options are here
0: Well I think they're they're hedging their bets, but it's also a negotiation ploy it's you know how much you're going to pay for it you know mm-hmm. we're considering but don't want yeah. to sell it or you know sure. so you better pay more mm-hmm. i mean that, to me that's what it it feels like it, it, their ownership hasn't gone as as well as they would like publicly pr wise etc and so but if you're going to get out you're looking to get paid
1: yeah and there are other uh premier league teams that are on the market so perhaps they want to make sure that they are in that you know, in that same sort of neighborhood, to see well, if they're gonna, somebody's gonna pay you know billions of dollars for this Premier League team over here. Maybe we should let them look at ours too, and see what it's worth. So that might be it. Might be a competitive uh, situation there as well. So anyway, it would be a it'd be a big step for them. I mean, I remember you know it was it was seemed so unlikely that they would buy uh, Manchester United. I remember when it occurred, the Bucks owners, the Glazers, Malcolm in particular, was looking. Uh, for an iconic uh, sort of piece of, of, of you know, of, of a franchise. And at one time, right prior to them actually, um, you know, acquiring the majority share of, of Manchester United, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers were their pursuit, if you can believe that. They they were looking, it didn't matter that it was baseball, they, they wanted an iconic franchise, and they went all the way to England and got one, um, and it just sort of, very quietly, went about acquiring you know enough shares, and then boom, next thing you knew, uh, and they really because they leveraged a lot of this with uh, with with some debt on the team, some debt, some personal debt to make this purchase ever from from the beginning. The fact that they were you know, first of all from the United States, and also um, teams over there traditionally aren't don't carry any debt. You know they are uh, cash cows for the most part, and and uh, the fans almost immediately felt like you know that the glazers were just in it to siphon the profits off the franchise weren't going to put any money back into it they won a couple of of uh championships you know over there early and then not so much success uh relative to what what they have been in the past so uh, i don't know it just kind of feels like maybe this is uh this is the direction they're headed maybe they don't enjoy uh ownership of that franchise as much as they thought they would but it's been 17 years so who's to say we'll see if uh, anything comes of that Uh, Before we get to Matt Baker and talk some college football, I want to remind you guys that if you're looking to save money on your electric bill, this is a big step, but I think it's one that's worth it. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems for 12 years. There's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Get this. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Something goes wrong in 30 years they're out there fixing it, uh, no cost to you. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what you're not going to get other places. It's known as the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products that conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So you know those guys up there on the roof. Those are Billy May's guys. They're going to take care of you. No problem about it. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, favorite time of the week. I can't believe we're coming to a close of the regular season, uh, as sad as that might be. But boy, oh boy, do we got a lot to talk about with Matt Baker, who covers college football for the Tampa Bay Times. Matt, I want to start uh, as close to home as we can because you wrote a story which got a lot of attention, and when you throw this name out there, boy, is it going to get attention. Uh, apparently, there's been some contact, maybe initiated by USF, to Dion Sanders, who is no small name in college football right now and probably, I would guess, could get any number of jobs if he, if he really wants them. So uh, tell me about this inquiry and just what, what is the, uh, the latest on that.
2: Yeah, so two four seven sports reported the other day that uh, Dion or and or his camp have had conversations or discussions. I think was the term they used with mm-hmm. Colorado and USF about the opening. Which mm. okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. If Colorado and USF didn't call Dion Sanders or his people to gauge his interest, then they should all be fired for malpractice. <laughs> right like okay um it's the same thing with georgia tech it's the same thing with arizona state and and so on he's the hottest Mm. name on the the carousel you have to at least inquire and figure out whether this guy might be a match so that's kind of the first thing on this so uh, yeah i think there should be conversations um what i've gathered i've you know when GM was a name that came up before jeff scott was fired from 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 usf fans oh let's hire this guy well I initially thought it was a long shot, maybe an extreme long shot, and I've upgraded it to doubtful. Hmm. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I think the fact that this is kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit, um, yeah. but the fact that the story came out the way it did, uh, you know, the, the sourcing was clear that it was from Dion's camp. Well, why would Dion's camp want this out there that he's talking with these people? Uh, maybe there's some legitimate interest, Right. Um the other thing is it's negotiating leveraging them off of each other or sure. in, in to compared to other jobs that are open or will be open. Mm. So that kind of one lens I'm viewing it through. Um the other lens that I'm viewing this through is something Brett McMurphy Tampa Zone Brett McMurphy um tweeted uh on uh Tuesday as well that it looks like Dion's history with Prime Prep Academy, which was the charter school that he, he co-founded, is becoming an issue with some schools and some presidents. And it was an, a complete disaster. Uh, that's Wall Chronicle, if you want to go out and read all of it. The school was in like $650,000 in debt when it closed, just a, a complete disaster. And this, I hope you're sitting down, but there's apparently some people on college campuses who care about academics <clears throat> and might, yeah, they they might not take kindly to A a guy, you know, hiring the guy who will be the highest paid employee at the school who, you know, had a major, major issue with the charter school. That that might not sit kindly with everybody. So I view those two things in relation to each other, that maybe Dion hasn't been the slam dunk Georgia Tech-Arizona State hire that I expected him to be this cycle. And if that's the case, then that might be good news for USF, right, where USF is, let's be honest, they're not the most attractive job that's open and, and won't be based on some of the other openings that might happen. But if Dion's not the right match for some of the others for he, they're not right for him. He's not right for them, whatever. And Dion thinks maybe this is the time to go. Then maybe USF has a chance at this after all.
1: You know, that that's just really a, a smart sort of analysis because, um, I remember the whole collapse of that prime prep Academy and you know, for, for better or worse, when you're running a major college football program, you're sort of the CEO and you have access to, to a lot of, of resources and, and you are the face of that, of that franchise for better or for worse. And really the most popular face in the, in the college itself. Um, And so I, I, I don't think, I don't think it's that far off to think that there are probably a few school presidents as they delve into that, that hit the hit the caution button, you know that that little light starts flashing, man. And you know, I mean, a, a, there's a couple things, right? I mean, I've always thought that that you know USF has this word potential, right, because of mm-hmm. where it's located. I mean, you are in the center of of, of a hotbed of, of high school football talent. Um, he's from nearby, not that it matters, but he's from nearby Fort Myers. His son plays quarterback. Am I correct? You're about correct. That? Um, so that's always going to be probably a connection no matter where he goes Uh, and so this would be a step up if you will um, to to a better conference perhaps uh, from that standpoint so you're right I mean I think when we began this sort of cycling period it was like well Deion Sanders hottest name in college football you think he could get any job Mm, I kind of like what you're saying Matt I kind of think that maybe it's not uh, a, a great fit for every every school president that's all I would say
2: Right, and, and let me let me address something else that I've I've had some people ask me about. Well, Jackson State didn't seem to think that the, the prime prep was an issue. Why would USF? Why would Colorado? Why would Georgia Tech? Why would whoever? Well, the, the thing I would counter that is every school is different, right? Like sure. what I might be cool with, I, I, you know, maybe I'm a, an AD. I'd be cool with hiring Bobby Petrino because he would win. I'd be cool with hiring Urban Meyer because he would win, and mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. a different AD, might think differently. Um, yep. And and it's a different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Um, yeah. When what might have been okay with Jackson State, they might not have that might not have been an issue, or maybe they looked into it and said, you know what, he hired the wrong people, but he's learned because of X, Y, and Z, and he's going to hire the right people this time because we're here to help him. So like, there's different ways to view that, but it's certainly not crazy to think that that would be an issue that presidents might have um that would be a little bit of a turnoff with some people so i don't know where this is all going to go um again i I still think dion is doubtful with with usf i don't think it's that much of a step up for him um when he's talked about and i guess more so been asked about job openings in the past he's said not the nfl i'm not doing that but he's never ruled out power five power five specifically and yeah. again, just some of that might have been the way the questions were asked, um, and some of it might have just been the money, right? Like, he doesn't need the money, but his point has been, I'd be foolish not to listen because it's not money for me, it's the money's for my staff. And the difference, yes, there's a difference between Jackson State money and USF money, but there is a difference between Jackson State money and Arizona State money, right? I'm Arizona sure. State's football coach was making a million and a half more than Jeff Scott just as, to throw out a, a number to give you some context here. So that's why I've always thought his next move would be Power 5, but maybe he's looking at this saying, you know what, I want to get now, just get while the getting's good, and USF might be my best option. That might be more appealing than Colorado. And then I guess the, just one other thing on this, the coaching carousel is obviously not done. The season is not over. There's going to be games played this weekend that are going to affect things. Um, the obvious example that comes to mind, Auburn hasn't hired anybody. Correct. There's a lot of speculation in the industry that Lane Kiffin is going to go from Ole Miss to Auburn. If he does, again, not not reporting that, but use that hypothetical, if he does, then the Ole Miss job opens. Dion mm-hmm. would seem to be a slam dunk for Ole Miss. Yeah. So that's the type of, of dominoes and moving parts that are happening here that are going to affect USF and Dion and a bunch of other places.
1: Okay, uh, if I uh, had to uh, pin you down with thumbtacks and you had to uh, tell me on this day who USF's next head coach will be, you would say?
2: Tom Herman is who I oh, would say. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I still think, and I think we talked about it on here, the next yeah. head coach is going to have head coaching experience. I, yes, I, I, I agree. I feel mm-hmm. pretty strongly about that
1: mm-hmm. and going
2: to have Florida ties. Herman has recruited Florida, not a ton, but I think his success in the AAC and the fact that, again, he does have some experience in this state, and I think he'd be able to hire a good staff with ties in the state. And he's enough of a name that I think he would be the front runner. Um, The other other ones that I keep talking about, keep mentioning, Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina, Mm -hmm. um, Jason Candle at Toledo, Mm -hmm. Willie Simmons at Florida A&M, and Larry Scott at, at Howard. Those are the names that I kind of keep hearing that also seem to make the most sense based on um, just the the criteria that Michael Kelly has said explicitly or kind of said implicitly as well.
1: Those are great, great names. And and we'll see. I guess they want to hire a coach uh, sooner than later. I keep hearing December 5th is a day. Is that right? A big day? for Yeah. uh...
2: Yeah. Because that's kind of when the the transfer portal opens, um, where all this stuff becomes out in the open more. So you want Mm -hmm. somebody in there by then who can say, okay, This is the roster that I have. We have really good receivers, but we need more tight ends. Or we're going to lose all of our receivers, and therefore I need to sign 10 more. You know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Get a feel for who do we have, who are we in danger of losing, who can we get in, what are all the numbers, what are all the specific prospects and everything, and, and really hit the ground running with a chance to succeed over the, the next couple weeks after that, where it's really, really, really going to be pivotal.
1: Only a couple weeks away from that, as a matter of fact. So that'll be something to watch. Meanwhile, uh, speaking of things to watch, this could be the final war on I-4, as we know it. Uh, USF hosting uh, Central Florida. That game is on Saturday. We'll get to Florida, Florida State in a minute. But uh, let's talk about this. Uh, boy, uh, what a way to, uh, to put a thorn in the side of UCF if you're the Bulls you can prevent them from playing in the American Athletic Conference Championship game, right?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. If, I, I think there's still a scenario where if UCF could lose but still get there. But mm-hmm. it, it's, it's thorny and complicated. And, and for all practical purposes, if USF beats UCF, the Knights are not going to make it to the Conference Championship game. And let's face it, there's the bragging rights of this trophy. Uh, nobody, USF was, was talking about it on, on Tuesday during their their interviews. I don't think there's anybody in that room who has held the trophy. Um, and, and the fact, so that obviously means something. And, and the fact that this is going to be the last one, I don't think it's going to be the last one ever because ADs at both schools have said they would like to make it work. But it's mm-hmm. going to be the last one for a while um, just yeah. because UCF is moving to the Big 12 this summer. And then there's going to be different, you know, that they, so this game goes from being a conference game to a non-conference game. Because college football is stupid non conference schedules are filled out years in advance where like like Clemson's playing somebody in twenty thirty five or like, we already know some some things way out there so it just the scheduling's not gonna work for a day. so this is going to be the last one for a while, and that adds extra you know even more juice to this um it it obviously makes me uh you know i'm sad to see it go on hiatus even if it's only for five years or or whatever because you give u s f and u c f fans You know, give them beer, give them true serum, ask them what they want. They would much rather play these guys, right? USF, maybe they can get a rivalry going with FAU, but it will not be the same. Maybe UCF plays Texas Tech in 10 games in a row that are all 59-56 absolute bangers, and it's fantastic. It is not going to be the same as USF-UCF. Because people in Tampa, Orlando, Lakeland, wherever, work. And the guy at the cubicle down the hall he went to the other school as you. And, and that's something you're not going to get with with uh, Texas Tech and, and UCF or Kansas State or whoever it is. So I'm sad to see this go, but this is a big one just because it's going to be the last for a while. And But I'd also point out that uh, I think it was in 2008 they thought it was going to be the last maybe ever, and it ended up coming back. So that's my optimistic spin on it.
1: Speaking of the Bulls, I don't know how many quarterbacks they had over there, but this last guy – he kind of lit it up, man. He completed quite a few passes in a row there. What's going on with the USF new, score, new quarterback?
2: Yeah, give Byron Brown a ton of credit. Completed his first 21 passes, uh, single-game completion percentage of 84%, which is oh. the, the highest in, in, in USF history. He played really well. and mm-hmm. I mean, sure, we, we can nitpick if we want. It's Tulsa. Tulsa's got a lame-duck coach. Tulsa's defense isn't good, blah, blah, blah. I don't care, man. <laughs> for a freshman to make his first start in that yeah. situation with, with a bunch of injuries all year. I mean, and a staff that, you know, this is a lame duck staff, right? Where the, the you know, nobody knows on that staff who's going to be there in a couple of weeks or actually a couple of days, I should say. And for him to go out and play the way he did, that's a, a huge credit to him. And it's a huge credit to, to Trickett and, and the, the offensive staff as a whole to, to find a way to keep pushing and 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 make this work i mean brown was go back to august he was their number four quarterback right behind bohannon and and mcclain was in the picture and 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 marsh and so for him to go from okay probably going to redshirt this year most most likely maybe i'll see a a couple garbage time snaps to starting in a conference game and and again statistically having one of the better games in usf history that is absolutely remarkable
1: yeah, it really is, and I I always say this, and maybe maybe he just had the game of his life, but I think when you prepare for your moment like that, and then you get it and you take advantage of it that way, sometimes special shows up really early, and I don't mean like he's the greatest athlete or he's Joe Montana, um, but by the same token, uh, that's the way to make an introduction in college football. You know, down the road, whether it's at USF or someplace else, people will remember. They have the game tape now. And, and it's very rare to do for any quarterback, much less making your first start. So I was very impressed with what he was able to do. I don't care who it was against. You know, those are college football players out there and they're competing and, you know, good for him. So that'll be a great game that you will be at on, uh, well, on Saturday. But on Friday, let's go to the one that I've waited for pretty much all year. And, and gosh darn it couldn't Florida had just handled their business at Vanderbilt (laughs) to make this thing a little more spicy. I mean, we were headed, we were both kind of headed towards the right place, an interesting Florida, Florida state game. And now I don't know what I'm going to get with the university of Florida in this game.
2: (laughs) You know, um, you you know, as well as I do in this business, Rick, sometimes you kind of have to balance what I'm writing this week versus what I'm writing next week or the (laughs) week after. Um, Because like, you know, you, this was a better story for later in the week, but who knows what'll happen. So I'm looking at a headline from a story on TampaBay.com written by some Matt Baker hack. Uh, <laughs> Florida Gators, comma FSU set for biggest showdown since 2016. It's a start. <laughs> so that was uh, nine days ago, and yeah. uh, your brilliant correspondent here talked about how both teams were headed in the right direction, and
1: um, wow.
2: you know Florida have it, was still have an outside chance at nine wins, and, and this, that, and the other, and then they laid an egg to me. Um, so there's a lot of layers to the Vanderbilt onion, right? Um, let's, let's start by giving Vanderbilt credit. Uh, I think a lot of people, including myself thought they would be better this year with with year two Mm -hmm. under Clark Lee, who's, who's very respected in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, but better would be like, yeah, you're still probably gonna lose all your conference games. And they didn't, They, they beat Kentucky. Um, and, and so they, they have made progress. So start credit there. Um, The second part is Florida has often struggled on those sleepy 11 o'clock games in in, in Nashville that even Mm -hmm. when they've had good teams, they've struggled up there. So that's not crazy either. The the other part to this is I go back to something I wrote. I think it was after the Vanderbilt, or not the Vanderbilt, uh, Missouri game, where Florida is good enough to hang with anybody and bad enough to lose to just about
1: Mm -hmm. anybody.
2: And the South Carol the sixth quarters from the second half of Texas A and M through South Carolina made me think they had turned a corner. What really I think Florida played really well there. A and M is a dumpster fire, and South Carolina just laid an egg. It's I think it's kinda that simple. And and Florida goes back to being who we thought they were. You know, I said many times in the offseason there is seven and five was what I thought. They've still got a chance for that, although, you know, I would think Florida State would win is what I would pick right now, so six and six. There, again, and just up and down. I think that's kind of where they are right now, where they ha- their highest have been very high. Now, they had a great third quarter against Georgia, where they went from down 25 to down eight. And I didn't ever think they would win, but they made it competitive and made me think, oh, maybe they got a chance here. And then their bads have been pretty bad, too uh again Vanderbilt just all the mistakes penalties and muff punt and, and all that stuff so they've just been up and down which is what you kind of expect for for billion Napier's first year and um this is maybe a little bit lower than what i had thought and obviously that's causing some inks and frustration in the fan base
1: yeah i mean you i i, mean, I was reading a headline and, and it's part of your story i mean listen i i agree with you in this in this sense I have confidence in what Billy Napier is doing. I think people have to remember that this is, his, you know, not his third year like they have, you know, under the program at Florida State. Um, somebody asked me the other day. Uh, this was a question that came up, I think, on the mailbag. Would you be more confident in, uh, you know, Florida State and them going forward in their personnel, or Florida and their personnel going forward? And and I would just say, if Florida is being Florida, if they, if they are recruiting the way I think they, they can recruit with all their resources, with, with the history of that of that program, with being in the SEC, nothing against Florida State. Florida should be the dominant team in this state. I just have always believed that. Now, that's not always the case, and credit Bobby Bowden for all those years and national championships, and, and, you know, obviously they got it done with uh, Jameis Winston and Jimbo Fisher and all of that too. So they've, they've got the titles, and, and, and that's fine. Um, but – I, I think I think Napier's gonna be just fine. <laughs> I think I think that uh the Florida program is also gonna stay on the rails here.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. Um I, I maybe the Vanderbilt that well, let me rephrase that. The Vanderbilt game definitely gave me more pause. Um, sure. just sure. because Absolutely. Uh, I I, th- I thought they had turned a corner and yes. you get you know, you, you play like that, there's issues. But there's also reasons why there's issues, right? Like go mm-hmm. back to the, the muffed punt that Vanderbilt's long snapper recovered for a touchdown, and hey, yeah, long yeah. snapper touchdown, how about that? Um, <laughs> so, okay, why did that happen? Well, it was a, kind of a fluky thing where the, the you know, returner lost it in the sun.
1: Yep.
2: So, okay, you check, you can chalk it up to some degree to bad luck. Also, he was their third-string punt returner who was mm. in that position because of injuries. Mm-hmm. And you can also remember that, Florida does not have a lot of depth. And, and some of that is the, the Dan Mullen's recruiting misses. Some of it sure. is the fact that these are not Billy Napier's guys and they don't necessarily fit what he wants to do. Um, yeah. And then again, just injuries, that bad luck, and, and attrition that happens everywhere. So there's a lot of factors just in that one play that I think we kind of need to put into context. Um, the other thing I want to say about just Florida's future, I, I sat down with Brian Maggard, who is the athletic director at Louisiana? Um, mm-hmm. I sat down with him on Saturday because the Knowles were hosting Louisiana, and I want to chat with him about Billy. Um, right. And he, he, you know, he, he had some interesting things to say. Um, just because obviously fans were were frustrated at that point, and sure. this was a couple hours before the Vanderbilt game, and I, I just want to read something uh, that he that he said. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said, you know, I know. People are upset because they you know, saw him getting flack on social spaces because they dropped a couple games. But it's just like, it's it's like just let this guy do his job, right? Mm-hmm. Give him some time because he knows what he's doing. And I asked Brian if, if he still feels strongly that he believes that Napier can do this. And he said, absolutely. He compared him to uh, Bob Stoops at, at Oklahoma, where he was a, you know, kind of a younger coach who brought OU back to where they're supposed to be. They won a mm-hmm. national title, played for a couple others. Every year, just about, they were in the mix, won a zillion Big Twelves. Um, there's no doubt in my mind Florida's going to be extremely successful. He said he believes that wholeheartedly. So, again, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how this is going to work out. But I do know that the guy who hired him in the first place, again, Louisiana was not a huge destination job. Billy Napier was not a huge name at the time either. And their first year, they went 7-7. Seven and seven. They they won the division, lost in the conference title game, lost the bowl game. So they were fine, but but not great. Year two they took off, and that's because of everything that's going to happen at Florida here in the next couple weeks um, with attrition. Right? There's going to be I think there's already been six, eight, ten guys enter the portal or say they're going to enter the portal or or leave for other reasons. So there's going to be a ton of attrition, which is going to give Billy the chance to bring in his guys. The recruiting class that last I checked I think is eighth in the country and would be one of the better ones Florida signed in a while when you look at just not just the the stars but where those guys are ranked. So you add that in to the fact that he'll have another year to get in his culture and all that stuff. Next, You can look at this and and get some sort of gate this season as a whole, but next year is where we're really going to be able to tell can he do it or not. So that's how I'm viewing it.
1: Yeah, I think I think it makes sense. And and I look, I still am excited about this game because I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think Florida State's a much better team. They've got momentum. Uh, the game is there. Am I correct about that? Uh, correct. So, you know, everything seems to lean towards the Seminoles. But but uh, Florida is not going to be intimidated by anything they see at Florida State. And, and so they're going to compete and probably compete as hard as they had. We've got lots of of uh, this is rivalry weekend. Maybe my favorite weekend of the college football season. We finally get here, and we have some some traditional and some great matchups. I'm going to run through them a little uh, quickly here for you, Matt. Uh, okay. You tell me what you think, uh, yes or no, uh, about some of these matchups. Let's start with Notre Dame at USC. I, Listen, I, I don't watch every college football game, but I know this. Caleb Williams might be the Heisman Trophy candidate this year that could, could take the trophy. I, I don't know that I've seen a better quarterback, and I haven't seen him play much, but I did see him play the last week or so, uh, and he's impressive. Notre Dame, all they've done is knock off a bunch of ranked teams after a slow start. So traditional rivalry, what do you like about this game?
2: Yeah, I, I like the fact that it's relevant again because yeah. USC has been kind of middling for a while. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, this is one of those great helmet games. Um, so mm-hmm. I like the fact that it's going to have buzz. I, I don't quite know what to make of Notre Dame because they had a, laid a couple eggs, but they've been really good the last month or so, beating Clemson, um, right. Syracuse, and all those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I just want to see more from Caleb from Williams. Because you're right, he put himself in the Heisman Trophy conversation.
1: Absolutely. People, yeah.
2: people were saying earlier in the year, watch out for him. I mean, if you saw him at Oklahoma, dude's a star, right? There's no Mm -hmm. question. But the fact that the way USC's schedule was backloaded, where um, UCLA was going to be a a big-time game, Notre Dame is a big-time game, and then the Pac-12 championship, uh, probably against Oregon, that's going to be a big-time game. So you give him three high-profile chances to end the season, if he goes off with another 500 yards or whatever it is, he's going to be very much in that conversation. Um, The other thing I want to say on this is Florida State has a chance at the Orange Bowl here. Um, and that's right. there there's some, there's some things that need to happen in order for the Noles to get into the Orange Bowl. Obviously, they have to beat Florida. That's number one. But they need Clemson to make it to the playoff. And then they need mm. a couple other—and for that to happen, they need a couple things there. And one of them is USC losing to Notre Dame. Mm. There are scenarios where USC wins and and, and things could still shake out. But one of the dominoes that probably needs to fall is for USC to lose to Notre Dame, which also beat Clemson. And that would kind of make, maybe eliminate USC from the conversation in the playoff and give Clemson a better shot of being in the Final Four. So that's, you know, if you're a Florida State fan, want to go back to the New Year Six, that's one of the things to kind of keep an eye on there.
1: Gotcha. Interesting. Oregon, Oregon State uh, doesn't always uh, grab my attention. This one does. Uh, tell me what's at stake in this game.
2: Yeah, so Oregon's got a chance at the Pac-12, uh, making it to the Pac-12 title game. Um, I, I want to just see how healthy Bo Nix is at quarterback. You know, he's yeah. had a great year for the Ducks after transferring from from Auburn, where he was just really good and really bad, and sometimes in the same place, some, or same game, sometimes the same drive. Um, he, he's been banged up. If he's not healthy, Oregon State absolutely has a chance in this one. They used to call it the Civil War. I don't know what they call it now, but Oregon State's just a gritty team under under Jonathan Smith. You know, they don't have like a bunch of stars. They're just they just play really tough, and they're a really tough out. So yeah, that's absolutely going to be a really good game.
1: Tulane and Cincinnati, they got something at stake, right? In the American Athletic Conference.
2: Yeah, winner of that is going to host the AAC championship game next week. Um and. You know, realistically, will be the, the favorite to make the uh, uh, get the group of five spot in the New Year's Six Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you know Tulane's been able to run the ball really well. I think they've got a, a fun offense, and look, give Cincinnati credit for being where they are. You know, they lost so many guys to the NFL last year, including you know, Jerome Ford, the running back from Armwood, Desmond sure. Ritter, quarterback Sauce Gardner, and for them to still be, you know, obviously they're not as good as they were last year. You don't lose half dozen NFL guys or whatever it was and stay the same at the group of five level. But for them to still be in the conversation where they've got a very real chance at winning the conference again and getting to the Cotton Bowl or whatever, that's a big sign for what Luke Fickle's been able to do.
1: You know, Luke Fickle's just an amazing coach, and, and it's uh, lucky of Cincinnati really to be able to hang on to him. All right, I know Lane Kiffin uh, is trying to coach every SEC team before his career is over, and maybe he makes Correct. it all the way to Auburn. However... I think if Auburn upsets Alabama in the Iron Bowl, they sign Cadillac-Williams to an extension right there on the field.
2: I think you're probably right, uh, just because of how beloved he is there, and, and you know, if he would have done that, I think he would have won three out of four, right? Um, right. So I I would certainly think he, he deserved that opportunity, but I, I don't see that happening. This is not a juggernaut Alabama team the way we've seen it in the past, but... I think at a certain point, you know, Nick Saban's obviously good enough. Has got enough dudes on that side, or on both sides, to to have a chance there to uh, to beat an interim coach and uh, get Auburn back to being Auburn, which is a complete dysfunctional mess that will play <laughs> out in the next couple of days or weeks as they look for a new coach.
1: It's gonna be fun. It's always fun at Auburn when it comes to coaching. Uh save the best for last because Steve Versnick wants to know uh, in the worst way, uh whether the Jim Harbaughs of Michigan can take down the CJ Strouds at Ohio State. Um so listen, uh what, Harbaugh's won one in a row in this rivalry? <laughs> Maybe he can make Correct. it two. Uh winner goes to the national championship uh tournament, I would imagine, right?
2: Yeah. Uh... Yeah, uh, I mean, even if they were, I can't, I don't, I can't entertain a scenario where one of them loses to Iowa next week. I, I can't do that. I'm sorry. So yeah, basically <laughs> win and you're in, um, the loser is still going to have a shot too, especially okay. if Michigan wins, where Ohio State has a win over Notre Dame. And if we look mm-hmm. at, again, some of the scenarios here, if it's a one loss Ohio State team that didn't win the Big Ten versus a one loss Clemson team that won the ACC. They're going to look at, okay, who did you play? Okay, sure. Clemson lost Notre Dame. Ohio State beat them.
1: Beat them. Mm-hmm.
2: Beat yeah. them by, I think it was uh, 11, and it probably didn't quite feel that close. So that's going to be a big point in Ohio State's favor. Uh, one last Michigan is going to have a tougher road just because their non-conference schedule was so weak. They had a, a game scheduled against UCLA, which ended up getting canceled and would have helped both teams. Um, so Michigan really needs to win because otherwise I don't see a path. Um, The game itself, I don't have a good read on it. I'm sorry that's Hmm. bad radio, that's bad podcast, but I don't have a good read because of the injuries. Um, Blake Corum got banged up last week. Obviously, he's a star running back at Michigan, makes that whole thing go. If he's healthy, relatively healthy, that's a big boost. If he's limited at all, I got major questions there. Then on the other side, Ohio State's been banged up, right? C.J. Stroud didn't quite look like himself in kind of late in the Maryland game. Um, Travion Henderson, their just explosive running back, hasn't hasn't really looked like himself this year either, and he was banged up. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who entering this year might have been the best receiver in the country, I don't know either he's played a little bit or hasn't played at all this year, and maybe there's a chance he comes back and can do something. I'm I'm not counting on it, but those are of the most talented guys that could be in this game, and I don't have a, I don't know what the if, how many of them are gonna play, to what extent, how healthy, which makes it really hard for me to see this, um, just to have a good read on it. But I do know that Ohio State, Michigan usually delivers. Um, they're you know both in the top five, both realistic national championship hopes. I think it's gonna be just an an awesome game and an awesome atmosphere and what the sport is about.
1: Well, we know that Steve Versnick will have on his uh, maize in blue, and he'll be he'll be ready to go for that one. So uh, I'll I'll go ahead and watch my namesake try to take down Michigan. But um, for Jim Harbaugh, this is this is always a lot of fun and, and a big game to see if he can win two in a row. All right, he's Matt Baker. He's going to be at uh, Friday night's Florida State Florida game, and then double dipping uh, UCF USF over at the Raymond James Stadium on Saturday. You can follow him in the Tampa Bay Times and on Tampa Bay dot com matt thanks for a great uh, most of the regular season here and uh, have fun at the games
2: all right thanks rick happy thanksgiving y'all
1: great weekend in college football but before that of course you have your thanksgiving day games those are all going to be good enjoy your thanksgiving enjoy the turkey the sides if you listen to the previous podcast the mailbag questions you know which side is more important what goes with what is it gravy is it mashed potatoes stuffing cranberry all of that Go ahead, splurge, get your calories. Even Tom Brady is going to partake of a more traditional Thanksgiving Day fair. And for TV12, that's saying something. So enjoy that. Be safe. Uh, we got a big weekend, of course, in sports. We'll get you ready tomorrow for the Bucks at Cleveland as they come off their bye week. See if they can regenerate some of the momentum that they had in Germany. Uh, and then a big weekend in college football, as we just documented. We'll talk all about that on tomorrow's podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. For Steve Burstick, Emmerich Stroud, the Tampa Times. Have a great day. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything
0: Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got
2: all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods